0: well good morning randolph street family thank you for being here this morning and attending our lord's day's gathering thank you for setting this aside as a priority in your life individually in your life together as a family we try to remind you of this at the beginning of every gathering but this is the lord's day and he has called you to this time together as the church to gather together And in your gathering to lift up your voices to your God and to celebrate his goodness and his grace and his mercy. To in reverence give him praise and glory that is due his holy name. It's the Lord's day and he has called us this unique and special time together as a church. So may we embrace that by faith, believing God has a purpose in this day. Believing God has a purpose in the gathering of his people asking his spirit to work and move in our midst that as you walk in this room if you're a christian as you walk in this room when you walk out of this room you are more like christ And if you're not a christian our prayer for you is that as you walk in this room that god would deal with your heart through his word and through his spirit and that by his grace he would grant you new birth on this lord's day and you could walk out of this room being a new creation in christ that's our prayer for you so thank you for joining us online Uh, For those of you who are joining us, we are glad you are engaging in this morning with us. A few announcements in your bulletin, if you'll grab it, please. You should have received, when you walked in this morning, a hymn. Our worship team introduced that hymn to you last Sunday morning. We have the music. It's an old hymn printed for you. Uh, You should have received that when you walked in this morning. If not, I believe there are a few copies left on the back table Uh, we print this hymn for a variety of reasons one so you can learn the music as you're learning uh, the language of this particular hymn but this is just rich so many levels Uh, this particular hymn lays out for you in in such graphic terminology the love of god for you in christ and what he has done for you in his son Uh, as we learn this hymn these next three weeks um, i trust that it'll be helpful for you not only in your walk with christ and your worship of Christ here, but likewise, probably in your own lives. A few other announcements, just looking down. Uh, ladies, you've got a painting night coming up. Make sure you take note of that. There's a sign-up available on the women's ministry page on the church website. Care Group 2, you've got a picnic coming up on Sunday, May the 15th. That's going to be at Coonskin Park uh, right after our gathering. Graduation Sundays before us uh, in a few weeks. If you're graduating, please let us know. Uh, High school, college, post grad, vocational, technical school, so that we can honor you on that particular Sunday. Typically, typically every time you get a free book or a free Bible, Uh, so please make sure you sign up for that. Notice the church softball; uh, that's coming back up again. Please take note of that. Any guys that would like to be a part of that? Summer picnics—we're back into those. So no more on mission meals together. uh, These next few months, we always take a break during our summer months. On a side note, I don't know that we even said this. Of course, that was last Sunday, wasn't it? It was our own mission meal. Uh, We raised just under $2,000 for uh, Cody and Savannah as they think about Radius International. So amazing effort on your part. Uh, We love what the Lord's doing here in regard to our missions efforts, our missions focus globally, especially among unreached people groups. It's a part of what God has called us together as a church, so just under $2,000 we've raised that, we'll combine that with the with the scholarship funds we are committing to them uh, in regard to Radius International but so deeply thankful for that but our own mission meals, we won't have another one probably until uh, September uh, so we're filling our summer months with those informal summer church picnics we did this last summer, you guys really enjoyed that, uh, that is just after the gathering, head up to Coonskin Park, shelter number 18 bring your own food, or at least Bag it well off of somebody around you and uh, just enjoy the afternoon together. Some people stay a half hour, some people stay four hours, uh, but just come and enjoy the time together. One more note that's not in your bulletin. Thank you on behalf of my daughter uh, who leaves in just a little over a week, I believe it is, a little under two weeks uh, for 20 schemes. She has raised all of her funds. You have supported her so well. Pray for her. I know she would appreciate that as she leaves on May the 21st to partner with 20 schemes in Scotland for the summer in their church planting efforts. Okay, all that aside, we want to approach our Lord this morning with pure hearts and clean hands. We want to confess our sins before our God as we step into this time of corporate gathering, our worship of our great God. And we we don't want to confess sin without the gospel kind of saturating our prayers, And so we try to often put before you gospel texts like this one this morning, Romans chapter 8, or Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have been now justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So if you're a believer in Christ, you confess your sins freely this morning. Because you're justified. You have been saved from the wrath of God. So you, you sat there this morning righteous in his sight, and now we can freely just confess our sins to the Lord as we enter into this time of worship together. So let's take a few moments to prepare our hearts. <laughs> Let's allow the word of God to call our hearts together to worship this morning as his people. Psalm 28, Psalm of David. To you, O Lord, I call my rock. Be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am help, helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to the Lord. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is a saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Amen. Thank you.
1: That's what they call a senior moment. So, the confession of our faith this morning as we continue to work through the catechism, I trust that it's been a blessing to you each week and an increase in your understanding of truth. How did Christ, being the Son of God, become man? Christ, the Son of God, became man by taking to himself a true body and a reasonable soul. He He was conceived conceived by the power
2: of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary and was born of her yet without
1: sin. Let's pray. Our Father, as we come into your presence, as we think upon you, our holy and gracious God, as we think upon you as our Father, as we have the privilege of drawing near to you and addressing you as Abba, Father, as we recognize your deep care for us, we, we see and we know, Lord, from your word that those things are possible only because Jesus Christ was made a man and took upon himself our sin, that we stand righteous in him, Lord, that we have been declared to be your children. I ask, God, that you would press those things deeply in our minds today. Might that guard our guide our hearts, Lord, might it stir our affections as we sing, as we give praise and worship and honor and glory to you. As we listen to your word, Lord, help us to hear it as it is, the words of you, the living God might your word speak always deeply into our souls lord might we revere your word might we trust your word might we read and study and take your word into our hearts i ask god that you would do these things in and among us that are impossible for us to do for ourselves we recognize that it is a work of your grace in us And so, Father, we love you. We truly want to exalt your holy name. We want to lift you up this day. We want to bring worship that is worthy of you this day. In Christ we pray. Amen. Please stand.
3: To us, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves? What I mean by saying, a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. For joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. The word of the Lord. A reading from the first epistle of John. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are.
2: i
0: This morning, I want to go back and reread a verse we were just singing together, verse number four on the hymn sheet. Such graphic, helpful language for us. Jehovah bade his sword awake. I mean, just imagine, moment. He bade his sword awake. Oh, Christ, it woke. His sword, it woke. But notice what it says: it woke against thee. Thy blood, the flaming blade, must slake. Into this heart-wrenching thought, thy heart, its Jehovah's blade, thy heart, its sheath, must be. All for my sake, my peace to make. And it, just amazing language for us, the church, to hear, to know, to embrace of the gospel. If you'll take your bulletin, uh, look in the front or middle, far right section, for our gospel partner highlight this morning which is new for the next two weeks is first baptist church in williamson one of our network churches the pastor there is jared belcher jared is a godly gifted man he was a practicing psychologist at his practice just down the street from the church in williamson the lord through that called him to ministry and now he's the lead pastor there at first baptist of williamson i don't use tim Confirm this second this Um, I don't use those words lightly when it comes to Jared. He is a, a godly, humble, gifted man who loves truth, who's committed to the exposition of Scripture, the doctrines of grace, Reformed theology, right in the heart of Appalachia, Williamson, West Virginia. We love this brother. We love their church. And this morning, we want to lift them up in prayer. So join with me, not only this morning, but you, take that bulletin home with you, You pray for them during the week. Let's pray for Jared and First Baptist together now. Well, Father, it is easy to pray for churches and men like this that you have raised up in your kingdom, that you have gifted and equipped, shaped, and formed for these hard but necessary days in places like Williamson, West Virginia. We pray for our brother this morning, Jared, that you would bless him, encourage him, even this morning as he opens your word to proclaim it among the people there gathered at First Baptist of Williamson, that you would strengthen him in these days, equip him and gift him in the needed, necessary ways that he might be a faithful minister of the gospel to First Baptist Church of Williamson. Lord, we pray for Jared and his family, his wife, his children, that you would bless them in these days, that these would be just fruitful, fruitful days of ministry. Thank you for his heart, for Appalachia, his love for the church, his desire to see churches planted, revitalized in difficult areas. So, Lord, we just pray your sustaining grace upon Jared this morning, upon First Baptist Church. May they be just a light of the gospel there in that area. Lord, we love this network of brothers and churches that we are privileged to be a part of and serve and to pray for. And we, Lord, we would just ask that the name of Christ, the gospel of Christ, would be made known today through the witness of First Baptist Church of Williamson, West Virginia. It's so Jared's heart, that's our heart for them. And Lord, most importantly, we believe that is your heart for this church, that your son would be exalted. So Lord, to that end, we pray for our brother today.
1: Of the fact that we can be drawn to such great truth in such a beautiful way so thank you very much greg for your continuing ministry to us turn to acts chapter 10 if you would please today i hope last sunday's sermon that pastor jason presented to us on our doctrine matter series on adoption has continued to settle in your heart I look back and see David and Brenda Green here this morning my goodness what a blessing to have you all with us so they've been going through a lot of physical difficulties and uh, good to have you with us today man that just got me off course there for a second that's exciting to have you folks here talking about adoption all week long, that truth has been just resonating in my soul. I have rejoiced in it. I've been moved by it. I've been humbled deeply by it. It's caused me to give praise and honor and worship to our God this, uh, this past week. I rejoice in that. The week prior to that, I introduced a section of Scripture that we saw was very critical in the development of the gospel that we know today of the word going to the nations. We introduced it in Acts chapter 10. The section really begins in Acts chapter 10 verse 1 and goes through the middle of chapter 11. And I'm going to pick up at verse 34 this morning and go through verse 34 of chapter 10 and go through uh, half of chapter 11 verse 18 today. You remember we talked about the strategic nature of this particular passage of Scripture, and I quoted uh, Brian Vickers on that Sunday morning, and I want to re-quote that today to kind of move our minds into the framework and the context of this particular passage of Scripture. Brian says, This passage is one of the most significant narratives in Acts. Indeed, he says, in the whole Bible someone makes a statement like that, it really catches your attention. You recognize he might be overstating the point, but he is making a point that means that this passage is a very critical one that we would understand, that we need to be able to grasp the significance of the truth contained in this particular text of scripture. Brian goes on to say that this passage reveals a major step forward in the progress of God's revelation and his plan for redeeming the world. If we understand God's word to be a story of his redemption of mankind for his glory, then certainly this indeed is in that place. It is a place where God is going to show us that he is indeed moving his plan in what would have been a mystery in times gone by. Our first message, we I took some time and kind of went back and tried to trace what it would have been like to live at the time that Peter received this vision and Cornelius received this vision. What it would have been like to have lived in that day. It is impossible for us in America today, sitting here at Randolph Street, to be able to fully understand the significance of this text of Scripture. And so we went back to the Old Testament. We saw that God made a covenant with Abraham, with the patriarchs. That was passed along to his son Isaac and then to Jacob. Jacob was renamed as he wrestled with God. He was renamed Israel. And we see all through the Old Testament Scriptures that God is raising up a people, a people for his glory, But that is centered in the people of Israel. It is centered in that people. You remember that God sends his people down to Egypt for 400 plus years. And during that time, there's tremendous numerical growth in the people. He leads them out by Moses and establishes them as a nation. A nation of people. He gives them laws. He gives them various things that they're going to embrace. He gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them ceremonial laws, laws that would be civil and how they would carry out and function as a nation. But all through the Old Testament, we find that God's revelation, God's glory, God's sending forth the message is centered in Israel. Jesus now comes on the scene. He is a Jew. He comes from the lineage of David. He is born in the family of David. He is one that is going to come forth, and he says they comes forth for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's coming to redeem his people. And so things continue to be centered. But we see glimpses. You remember I read from you uh, from John chapter 10 last, or the last time I spoke where Jesus says, there are other sheep that I have that are not from this fold, Israel. They're from a different fold. They're from the Gentile people. He doesn't use the term there, but he speaks about the reality. And this is something that was, would have been very difficult for any Jewish persons at that time to even conceive. He says there'll be one flock, one flock, not two, not Jew, Gentile, one flock, and there's going to be one shepherd. He is pointing to this great reality that we know as a mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Paul writes early in his uh, time, somewhere right around the Jerusalem Council, that we'll get to in Acts chapter 15, and we'll rehearse some of these same things again, because they're still and tremendous debate over how all this is going to work out. But Paul writes to the church in Galatia and the churches in the region of Galatia and he makes a couple of statements in chapter 3. Listen to them and it might be helpful to us in understanding the context in which Acts 10 and 11 are written. Paul says, In Christ Jesus, in the one who is the Messiah, The one who has come that the Jewish believers have embraced. They see Jesus is the Messiah. He died for our sins. But he says, in Christ Jesus, the blessings of Abraham, that Abrahamic covenant that was so critical, so key in the nation of Israel. Abraham was the father of this people. That the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, Paul is saying. So that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Now that's significant in our story today because God is going to send His Spirit upon the Gentile people just as He did upon the Jewish people, the believers there on the day of Pentecost. Galatians chapter 3, He makes even a more bold statement. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's no difference. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male and female. For all are one, one flock, one shepherd. All are one in Christ Jesus. Our identity isn't Israel. It wasn't coming under the covenant of Israel. It wasn't coming for a man to be circumcised. It wasn't coming under that umbrella. Now it is coming forth under Christ, in Christ, in Christ. As we read from Ephesians chapter 2 as we concluded the last sermon, two are made one in him, a new creation, something new that is coming on the scene. He says, All Are one in Christ, and if you are Christ, you are Abraham's offspring. Wow. Not just that you will receive the blessings of Abraham, but you are his offspring. You are a child of Abraham, a child by faith. And he develops this so beautifully in the book of Galatians. A little bit later on, Paul looks back and makes commentary of some of this, of his ministry. You remember Paul, when he was called, he was saved in Acts chapter 9. You remember he was sent primarily to the Gentile people. Paul says this, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery... And it is a mystery. It is not a dominant theme. It is something that you see glimpses of in the Old Testament. But it's something that's hidden primarily from the people. To make the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles— Are the riches of the glory of this mystery? The mystery is this Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so it's one new people. It is a people identified not under Israel, but a people identified purely in Christ. Jew and Gentile, one in Christ. Now these things are unfolding. Jesus comes on the scene. You remember Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He lays out for us the plan. Jesus says in his last words on this earth, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This great event that takes place on the day of Pentecost, not many days after Jesus leaves. And you will be my witnesses, he says, in Jerusalem. Acts chapters 2 through 7. And in Judea and Samaria, Acts chapter 8, and to the end of the earth, Paul is introduced as that person, the most least likely person to be the one to take the message to the Gentiles. A hater of Christ, but wondrously and gloriously converted and saved by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and now becomes that one who is going to take the gospel to the Gentile people, to the nations. And that begins to explode on the scene in our text today in Acts chapter 10. You remember that it begins with a vision. Cornelius, who is... A Roman centurion, one who has over a hundred Roman soldiers. He's in Caesarea, a Roman city. And he is a devout man. He's He's a man who knows the God of Israel. He's not a saved man in the sense that we think of saved, having embraced Christ. But he's a devout man, a good man who's been kind to Israel, has not become a proselyte. And God sends a vision to him. And the vision is just simply this. It doesn't give him a lot of knowledge. He just says, I want you to send some men to Joppa, and I want you to tell Peter to come to you because he has a message for you. And so he takes two men with a soldier and sends them from Caesarea south 30 miles to Joppa. As he's sending them, the next day around noon, Peter is up on the rooftop, and he too has a vision. And his vision is a little more descriptive. He sees this great sheet descending from heaven. And on the sheet, there are all manner of animals and reptiles and creatures. And the command is simple. Rise, kill, and eat. And Peter says, no way. I I can't do that. Because his whole life, He had lived under this dictate given to the Jewish people of certain foods that they could and could not eat, that God had established for them. This was a means of them being separate. This was a means of their identity as a people called unto their God Jehovah. Peter says he refused. And so it's told to him again, rise, kill, and eat. No. The third time it comes to him and so the vision ends knock on the door at Simon's house the tanner where Peter is staying yell up to Peter and say hey there's some guys down here to see you and so Peter goes down it's the men from Cornelius they come just at this time God's providential sovereign hands are all over this just like they're all over everything in our life and Peter's welcomes them and speaks to them and they said hey Cornelius had a vision God told us to come and get you and we're going to take you back to Cornelius's house and you've got a message for him well Peter's perplexed he's not understanding he's not putting all these things together at this point in time and so the men spend the night the next day they make the journey to Cornelius's house they get there basically Peter's kind of like well okay why are we here and I mean Cornelius is excited he's invited his relatives he's got a message from God that's going to come through Peter now Peter doesn't know exactly what this message is at this point in time but Peter is beginning to conclude that God is moving here that it hasn't really anything to do with animals eating animals although that's a part of it but he recognizes that what is called common and unclean has to do with people. That the Gentile people are going to be recipients of the grace of God. And so the whole thing unfolds, and it's in verse 33. As a pastor, I've thought about this. I, I don't know if, if, if you've thought too much about this particular verse, Jason. As oftentimes it's our privilege to stand and preach. Sometimes it's our privilege to go to another church other than Randolph Street and be able to preach. But before going, I mean, you, you kind of prepare your, your message. You get it ready, and you kind of know what you're going to speak on. It might tweak a little bit, that sort of thing. But rarely do you just go somewhere, and you're ready to speak, and you have really no idea what you're going to talk about. You think about Peter here. It says, all the people are gathered— all the excitement is there, and they're there to hear the message from Peter. Verse 33, So I sent for you at once, Cornelius says, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Now, what's he going to preach? And I find this message fascinating. The first thing that he begins to speak about is verse 34, So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him, and he goes on, and we'll catch this in a moment. But Peter is progressing. He receives this vision from God. He's perplexed. He's just, things are squirreled up in his mind. He doesn't understand the significance. Why is God telling him to eat something unclean? Why would God want him to do this? Then he begins to realize God isn't talking necessarily. The point of it is that the message is to go to the Gentiles. No one's common or unclean. If God calls them something special, then we have no right to call them common or unclean. And now he's beginning to fully understand that there is no partiality. That God is not going to give favor to one group Jew over another group, the Gentiles. And that this message, this message goes to every nation. To anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Now, he's not talking about salvation by works and morality. He's going to make that clear as he comes to the conclusion of his sermon in verse 43. But he's speaking about the message going to these Gentiles. So here's the sermon, verse 36. It's a short one. As for the word he sent to Israel, he begins there because this is the word that was given to the Jewish people, preaching good news of peace, Through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea. So he's going to draw on some historical data that was very familiar to the people. These are things that are big picture things. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the message becomes Christ. I love that. In the simplicity of this message, Christ is central. That should be the simplicity of everything we give. Jesus says, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to bear witness of me. When you read Peter's sermons, I mean, they're brilliant sermons. They're wonderful sermons. They're powerful sermons. But the sermons is just simply Christ and what Christ has done, who he is. And he does the same thing here. Jesus Christ becomes the centerpiece. It becomes about him. Begins with John the Baptist, verse 38, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, this historical figure with the Holy Spirit and with power he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him and we meaning the apostles we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem they put him to death by hanging him on a tree jewish people the romans but under order of the jewish people crucify him crucify him they put him to death he's laying this at the feet of these people they put him to death by hanging him on a tree but god raised him on the third day and caused him to appear just the simple gospel truth jesus christ crucified buried and risen again he raised him on the third day and caused him to appear not to all the people but to us who had been chosen by God again the the uh, apostles as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead those 40 days following the resurrection before his ascension to heaven We ate with him we drank with him we talked to him we were with him we were witnesses What happened to Jesus is real It is historical, it's truth, it's reality. That's what he's preaching and teaching to these people. I I wonder what they were thinking. I know they were excited. I wonder if they thought they would hear a lot more than what they're hearing. I don't know. It never really says too much. And he commanded us to preach, verse 42, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Now, this is an interesting comment because up to this point, there's not really that sense of judging. Most people conclude that what is happening here is that when Peter is preached in these early sermons up to this point, He constantly bears on the listeners, primarily Jewish people, that you are guilty of crucifying the Son of God. Listen to what he says in his sermon at the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2. Men of Israel, clearly defining who he's talking to. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs, very similar to what he's saying to the household of Cornelius, that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you men of Israel, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Acts chapter 5. The God of our fathers raised Jesus. Again, speaking to the Jewish people. Whom you killed. He's speaking primarily to, they've been put into prison, they're released from prison. He's speaking to the leaders. Whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Stephen, Acts chapter 7. This is the conclusion of Stephen's message. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in your hearts He's preaching this in Jerusalem. He's preaching it to Jewish people that are going to kill him. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in your heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now portrayed, Jesus, whom you have now portrayed and murdered. Lest the Gentile people feel that they are not guilty before God, Peter is going to press onto them the great truth of Romans chapter 3. And that is that God is the judge of the living and the dead, that all men, Jew or Gentile, the whole argument he develops in Romans 1 through 3, all are guilty before God. You might not have been the one screaming out, crucify him, crucify him. But it was your sins. It was you that he died for, those whom he would save we are all guilty, that every mouth may be stopped and that we would realize that we are accountable and guilty before God. All men are guilty. I think that's probably why Peter puts this in there. And you can begin to feel what's happening here. He moves from this kind of broad stroke of the gospel that they were familiar with to now bringing them under that condemnation of God. Verse 43. Oh, what a beautiful verse. To him, to Jesus, all the prophets bear witness. And this next word, that everyone, all peoples, not just Jews, all peoples, that everyone who believes in him, they receive forgiveness of sins through his name. Peter's been preaching this. It is only through Jesus. It is through him and him alone that man receives eternal life. He is the only way. Given among men under heaven, whereby we must be saved. Peter now looks at these Gentiles. He looks at Cornelius, this, this devout man, and he wants them to know that his hope is not centered in Israel. His hope is centered completely and entirely in Jesus Christ. It is in Christ that we have the forgiveness of sins. It is in Christ that we have eternal life. Now, this is a short sermon, not mine, Peter's. What's the response? How are people going to respond to what's happening here? Well, the opening response is just overwhelming, not from the people, but from God. The message is proclaimed, and while Peter was still saying these things in verse 44, the Holy Spirit of God, just like at the Day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. They were people who believed in Christ; they were they're they're saved, and all these things are happening the holy spirit falls on them and the believers from among the circumcised you remember when peter left joppa he took some of the brothers six of them as a matter of fact with him to witness what is going to happen at the householder cornelius and so these men who had experienced pentecost who experienced the spirit of god falling on that day this radical movement of god that just set forth and sealed what is taking place that it's of god the believers from among the circumcised who had been with, had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on what? Even on the Gentiles. Now for us, we can't even imagine what that would have been like because most of us are Gentiles. But they were marveling. What they had seen at Pentecost was happening again. That God was moving on the Gentiles, that God was taking the message. There was no partiality. There was no fear in eating with a Gentile because don't call something common or unclean that God has not done that for. Matter of fact, Peter's going to end his sermon over in in, in, uh, this whole segment in verse 17. He says, I could not stand in God's way. God is working. God is moving. God is taking the message to the nations. He goes on. What were the things that happened to Pentecost? The Spirit of God falls upon the people. They spoke in tongues and they were baptized and they worship God. See what the sequence here is. Here. For they were speaking, or they, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. They were worshiping God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who had received the Holy Spirit just like we, the Jews, have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. An experience just like at Pentecost that fell on the Jews now falls on the Gentile people. And this changes the movement of the gospel forever. For 2,000 years, the primary movement of the gospel has been into the nations. Last Sunday morning, Cody and Savannah stood here speaking about their desire, not knowing exactly where, but taking the gospel to an unreached people group, a people who have never heard the name of Jesus. And they're going to take the gospel there. There's two groups that we are supporting financially. You gave several thousand dollars over uh, the last part of last year. And we're giving that to two groups, one going to in, in, uh, in Asia and both of them in that general area. Why would we do that? Because God has unleashed the gospel to all the nations and commanded us to go. And where did all of that have its birth? Right here in the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. What a glorious, glorious moment. You can understand why Brian would say this is a significant moment. This is a strategic moment the pattern of the gospel going forth. Now, we see how God responds. People are amazed. Peter's going to stay there and instruct them for some days. Something like this happens. You don't keep it silent. Chapter 11. Now, the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God. God had moved on the Gentile people. they had received the word. They'd received the gift of the Holy Spirit. They'd been baptized. All the things that happened on the day of Pentecost. So the word is spreading everywhere. Peter's staying in Caesarea for several days. And now he makes his way back to Jerusalem, verse 2. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, now what's he going to find from the people there? With... The knowledge you have from the scriptures, particularly in the early church, what do you think the response of the Jewish people is going to be to the fact that the Gentiles are included in this? Are they going to whoop and holler and amen and say glory to God? No, they're going to resist this. And so this is what's taking place in verse 2. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party, and we're going to pick this up again in, in chapter 15, there's some that were teaching that in order to be a genuine Christian you, the men had to be circumcised to come in. It was kind of that same idea. You had to come underneath the umbrella of Judaism. That covenant. Sign and seal the covenant. But now there's a new covenant. But they're saying, they criticize Peter, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and you ate with them. Kind of that covenant common and unclean thing why did you do that peter says hey guys this is not of me i resisted this i was i was three times i got the the word and i was still perplexed but i've been overwhelmed by what god is doing here peter began to explain it to them in order and for the third time This scenario is rehearsed. If you're reading, you're thinking by this time, okay, I know what happened. I know what happened. But he's rehearsing it because it's taking place in different settings. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance, I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending. And so he, he talks about his vision. He tells it from his point of view. I heard a voice saying, rise, eat, or rise, kill, and eat. He says, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice answered a second time in verse 9, From heaven what God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn, or the sheet was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men came to the door. So he's just telling him what happened. The Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. Talks about the six brothers that went with him verse 13 and he told us enters into the man's house cornelius he tells us he's seen an angel stand in his house send a joppa to joppa bring peter with him and again this whole thing is done he will declare to you a message by which you will be saved the message of christ and you and all your household so the message of the gospel As I began to speak, Peter says, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as it did on us at the beginning, the day of Pentecost. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said. I remembered what Jesus had said to us while we were following him on this earth. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then... God gave the same gift to them, the Gentiles, as he gave to us, the Jews, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Those of the circumcision party, it says, when they heard these things, they fell silent. That ought to always be our response to the truth of God's word we shut our mouths and listen to him we argue no longer we accept his will we embrace his wisdom we magnify his truth what a what a wonderful instead of criticizing he hears this story and they fell silent and they began to glorify god's saying, well then to the gentiles also god has granted repentance that leads to you're a Gentile your heart ought to be singing right now I just looked down and saw Julia she's going to be taking the gospel and working in Scotland why would she go to Scotland not just for a summer holiday because of this truth God has taken the message to the nations what what an incredible, incredible truth. Let me leave a couple of things with you here this morning that I trust will be of help to you. Let me give you a caution and an encouragement. Don't go too far with the Jew-Gentile difference. We've talked about that today to show what a radical shift it is. But recognize that we are one people of god this is seen in so many places in the new testament one flock one shepherd not two distinct people yes ethnically we are distinct there are the nation of israel still exists the ethnicity of the jew but in christ we are one our identity is lodged in the person of Jesus Christ. The encouragement, I want us to marvel, to draw comfort and peace, to give praise and worship to God because of his sovereign, wise, and glorious plans and purpose. It never ceases to amaze me to watch the plans and purposes and intentions of God Almighty unfold. I'm never disappointed. I might not always understand it. And in the midst of it, I might wrestle against it, just like Peter did. But to be able to come to the end and look back and to see the sovereign hands of God on our lives is an amazing truth. In difficult times as well as easy times. When we're walking in the midst of it, remember, Peter's perplexed. Peter's resisting. It's hard for him. But God in his sovereignty is wise. Amen? You believe that, that God is wise, that God cares for us? He's that father that's adopted us into our family, into his family. He calls us sons and daughters. He cares for us. And he is going to bring ultimate good into our lives. We might not always see it, but you will never be disappointed in God. Never. I want to encourage you with that. When we come to these parts of scriptures that allow us to see into the sovereign working of God, God help us to remember that as we're walking through life, that you are that same wise and sovereign God. Secondly, embrace God's plan for global missions. Pray for the gospel to go to the nations. Give for the gospel to go to the nations. The Bible gives us that beautiful scene in the book of Revelation that People from every tribe, tongue, and nation will come together and will rejoice around the throne of God. Embrace global missions. Take the gospel to our neighbors. Take the gospel to our region. Take the gospel to the nations. Embrace it. Pray for it. Give toward it as you have done. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, as we have the privilege to look into the Scriptures, to recognize that you are the author of history, it is your story. Lord, as your people, as people purchased by Christ, people redeemed to be his bride a people that are placed into your body we are in you you are our, our our identity oh god might we rejoice in that might we marvel at that lord help us help us as we take the gospel i pray for julia today give her strength and wisdom as she takes the gospel and works among some of these Poor folk in scotland i pray for cody and savannah oh god help them as they have a burden upon their soul to take your word the gospel the message of jesus into an unreached people group i pray for the groups that we are supporting now lord give them wisdom give them perseverance these are hard works difficult long works God, might you work in them for your glory. Father, help us to realize this portion of Scripture is indeed strategic and it is glorious. In your name we pray, amen.
2: But by his blood Will rise to me
1: coming day that promise is sure it is steadfast and it will take place i pray that your hearts will be prepared to meet your lord we want to say happy mother's day to you who are moms i trust that you have a nice day i know many of you your plans are centered around mother's day and we trust it'll be a good day for you but we want you to know that we want to wish you a happy mother's day today the lord's prayer always very important for us to keep in our hearts our Father who art in heaven.